Two things before we begin. Firstly, we dedicate this episode to the memory of Terence Dix, who sadly passed away on August 29th at the age of 84. Dix was a writer for Doctor Who who wrote some of the show's most memorable and beloved serials, including The War Games, Horror of Fang Rock, and The Five Doctors, as well as serving as script editor for five years, spanning both Troughton and Pertwee's time on the show. He also contributed to the Target novelizations, adapting, I think, 65 classic-era serials to the written word. Dick's contributions to the series include the introduction of the Time Lords and giving us our first glimpse of the Fourth Doctor's manic personality. It's safe to say he may well be one of the most influential writers ever to work on Doctor Who. Anyone and everyone who's ever fallen in love with the show, old or new, is indebted to him, including us. So thank you, Uncle Terence, for everything that you've given us. On to Light Affair, uh, kind of a hard pivot, but this episode marks the midpoint in our season finale. This is part two of a three-part finale. We have one more episode after that, of course. We did do a live show at Geeky Tees in August, and that will be dropping uh, in early October. But before we release that, we are going to do a talkback special, where myself, Riley, Dan, and Michael will be sitting uh, around our microphones once again to talk about the season and talk about uh, what we've done, why we did it, the some of the thoughts that we went through in uh, kind of developing our characters and the story that we've been telling but we also want to get questions from you the listeners we know we have some very passionate fans out there we've seen some fan art this week which just absolutely blew us all away um, but we want your questions if there's something you want to know about story choices or character choices or the making of the show in any sense feel free to shoot us an email the email address is show s-h-o-w at thegameofrassilon.com or you can tweet your questions to us at Pod is the Twitter handle. It's also the same for our Instagram. We are Pod there as well. And uh, hopefully we'll answer your questions on the show. We're very excited about that. We're going to be recording that uh, in the two-week gap between when the last episode of the finale drops and when that talkback episode will, of course, be going up. So uh, do please send us your questions. Show at thegameofrassalon.com. I'm going to stop talking now because I've been talking for too long, but we are going to jump into this episode. Thank you very much, and here we go. Previously on The Game of Rassilon. Come to the Staycation Dome, a world of infinite possibilities. Trust me, I'm Amelia Earhart. So this isn't like a virtual reality thing, like you're literally transferred into a parallel universe? Oh yes, yes, it's very, very state-of-the-art, very modern. Amelia, what's happening? You all left. You disappeared. I can't. We didn't leave, we tried to find you. Roman said he had you. <sighs> He's been gone. I, I don't know what to tell you, I've been... He sent me here, um... And I have had to adjust. We've been trying to use this company. Russell Turner. Wait, Russell Turner? He is rehabilitated. We are using the funds from this uh, this staycation facility in my face and my voice and my story to help raise money to help other people displaced in time. Laser glass comes down from the ceiling and surrounds you all, except for Dr. Hodgman, who's just outside of the circle. I'm new here, sorry. You mm. might you might be looking for uh, your Dr. Hodgman. I'm afraid your Dr. Hodgman has been dead for, yeah, about two and a half weeks now. All we have to do is send you somewhere and not pick a destination. You guys are just going to get scattered across the multiverse like sprinkles on an intergalactic cupcake. I'm going to, like, shove my hand with the ring on it into the field of energy that's still there. Mm-hmm. And there is an unexpected surge of energy and a ripple of power crackling through the enclosure of the laser glass. And then the four of you, including Russell Turner, are gone. 
Doctor. It takes you a moment for your vision to adjust to your new location. But you can feel tight restraints on your wrists and ankles. As your vision slowly returns, you realize you're strapped to a table in an upright vertical position. And as the room comes into focus, you can make out the familiar bronzes, browns, and golds of the capital. This is Gallifrey. But immediately, you sense it is not the Gallifrey you know. You look to the side and see a table upon which lays an old, worn jacket made from a leather that shimmers with a gentle blue as it catches the light, and a satchel covered in patches and buttons of various designs with words of countless different languages written on them. On the ground are two halves of a gnarled wooden walking stick made from an old and sturdy wood, though apparently not sturdy enough to avoid being broken by whatever force has snapped it in two. You recognize these items. You know them well and their presence here is not a good sign. Even worse is the presence of a tray covered in a number of unpleasant-looking tools and instruments, some of them stained from recent use. It's becoming clear that you're not here for the good of your health. You hear a door open behind you, and a figure walks in wearing the long robes and wide collar of a Time Lord Chancellor. Initially, the figure keeps their back to you, looking out of the window to the view. Then the figure turns, and you immediately recognize the face. It's Maxim, his face unchanged, still wearing the same face you yourself once wore. He looks at you surprised and says, Well, well, you've regenerated then. I knew you'd give in eventually. How did you change your clothes? Oh, doesn't matter, you're the doctor, I accept it. Sorry? No, I just... Last time I saw you, we were in the meat market. You weren't you anymore. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a shame it has to end this way, you know, but... Uh, needs must and all that. I look down at my clothes. Am I wearing the clothes I was wearing? You are You are wearing everything that you were wearing uh, the, the, when you stepped onto the... Uh, or not when, when, you were, when you were transposed, when okay. you were sent away. Everything that you were wearing before, including the... Uh, was it the good man goes to war coat? Yeah. You're wearing that coat. You have Roman's time ring on. Everything else is as it was before. Okay. All right. So you're gonna let me go then? All right. That's we we've had our fun, and now I'm free. <laughs> I'm afraid it's far too late for that, Doctor. Liam's still here. No, no. It's. You see, everything's everything's coming to an end, and this is really the last bit of power that I have left, and I'm, I'm I'm going to use it, I think. Wait, what's coming to an end? What, what do you mean everything's coming to an end? Maxwell, he looks at you with the eyes of a man who knows he took his last chance too late, with the wild eyes of a man who would strangle his best friend in a fit of rage. This is a man who is absolutely prepared to do anything, not because it will help anybody, but because he can. And he says... I'm beginning to get the impression, Doctor, that you're not the Doctor I was talking to a few moments ago. Yeah, I am a Doctor, but not the Doctor you were looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so you do know where I came from, then? Well, I would assume you're not from here. Pa- what are you, where are you from? Parallel universe? Alternate timeline? I'm sure it doesn't particularly I, matter. I'm honestly pretty confused myself about it, but um, since I'm not the Doctor you wanted, because you could just... Whoops, and let me go. 
yes, if there's one thing I'm known for, it's whoops and let you go. Now, I don't think I'll be doing that, well, Doctor. I don't really know what you're known for here. I mean, you could be known for that very well. You could be the Supreme Chancellor of Whoops and Let You Go. I'm the, yes, I'm the Supreme <laughs> Chancellor of Letting People Go. Great, then we've, we've agreed, and you can let it happen. <laughs> Um, he, uh, he looks out, out to the, to the, the window again, and you can kind of see kind of, it's kind of ground level, and you can, you can kind of make out now that your vision has started to snap back that, um, Gallifrey, or at least the capital, appears to be largely in ruins. Um, and it's kind of dark out. It's, there's a little bit of light. It's coming in shafts. Um, but it does seem to be largely quite dark outside. And, uh, Maxel, uh, with his back to you, he says, I guess wherever you came from, maybe your Maxel is not the man who killed Rassilon, but here, that is who I am. You are looking at Emperor Maxel. I don't care what you call yourself, just let me... Okay, so did you lose the time war? Is that what happened? Is that what's going on outside? <laughs> the time war? Petty little skirmish is nothing compared to what Rassilon did. Okay, what did what did Rassilon do? Did he play a game? <sighs> Rassilon did something unspeakable. And he... It looked like he was about to turn to look to you, but now he's just kind of looking out the window, kind of lost in thought. Okay, but you could speak it. That'd be great. So I could hear it, because I'm not from here, and this is like new. You'll kind of like you keep talking like I know what happened, but I don't know what happened. Rassilon had a a grand plan, and there were a number of time lords who didn't agree with what he he wanted to do. But uh, did he wanted to turn the time lords into beings of pure time? I think that perhaps would have been preferable to what he ended up doing. But in order to restore. Gallifrey to a truer form of itself. I took the the decision to remove Rassilon from the equation. I I wanted to take us back to a time of non-interference, and in doing so, I I chose to assassinate, really to destroy Rassilon. But by then, it was it was too late. He'd already pulled the trigger, as it were, and. Okay, what did he do? You, you keep dancing around it. Just tell me what happened. He is... He's unmaking reality. Oh, and now... Okay. Horrors from the dark times are pouring out from every corner of history and they're consuming the universe millennia at a time. And now it's Gallifrey's turn. We have maybe hours. Well, then we got plenty of time. Let's undo it. Oh, I have plenty... Hours? Plenty of time. I have plenty of time, Doctor. And he, he turns back and walks over to the the tray of implements. And he's, he looks at you and he, he smiles that smile and he says, I have plenty of time. That's not so much the case for you, I Doctor. didn't do anything to you. I don't... Well, I'm going to do something to you and I don't think you're going to like it no, very then, much. Then don't do it. Let's just look at our hearts and decide not to do things. Like, you know, why be mean? Be nice. He, you know, he grabs he, an unpleasant looking tool from the from the tray and he says, My dear doctor, it is the end of all things. The time for niceties is over. Well, it feels like the best time for it, really. 
Travis, you come too to find you're already moving. Not that you are being moved, but that your body is walking forwards with intent. But it's not you doing the walking. Something else has control of your body. You look out through your eyes and realize you are a passenger. It's like looking out the window of an airplane and it's difficult to process exactly what it is you are seeing. You are walking along a a metal gantry connecting two rooftops in New York City. And as you look down, you can see not only the city below, but coils of thick cables wrapped around beams at the edge of the gantry, stretching from this rooftop to the next and snaking out into others. The buildings in New York connected by thick cables going into windows, doorways, vents. Everything is connected. The sky is dark, the city is grey, and something terrible has happened here. Atop the roof you are walking towards stands a humongous satellite dish, seemingly lashed together from whatever metals and materials were at hand. It's immense, and has clearly taken months if not years to build. It's slowly moving into a position pointing directly upwards. And then a voice in your head speaks and says, Not much longer now. And you immediately recognize, not the voice, but certainly the presence. It's the wire. Can I speak? Yeah. Um. Hi. Uh, wh- where am I? You're in the exact same place you've always been. You are inside your own head. And that is true. When you, when you speak, you do not feel the movement in your vocal cords. You are not hearing the sound of your own voice through your own ears. You, when you speak, it's, um, it's, 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 in, it's, it is entirely inside your mind. It's like you're sitting in the, the passenger seat of your own head and the wire is at the wheel. So when the wire responds, it come, you, you hear it like it's your own voice speaking. Um, I, so I kind of uh, have been dropped in the middle of this situation. Um, catch me up? There's a smile inside your head and now you can kind of see the face of the wire. Um, did Travis ever play Doom? Oh, of course. Yeah, it's the head from Doom on the, from the HUD at the oh. bottom. And it does the smile that he does when he picks up a, one of the more powerful weapons in the game. The wire says, This is what we've been building towards for a very, very long time, Travis. Again, coming in kind of fresh. Um, I don't know, amnesia. Uh, I've been time traveling a lot. Um, this could just be a hallucination. You want to spell it out for me? Where have you been for the last few months? You've been right here at my side, like it or not. But I guess I can give you a little refresher if you have chosen to forget or repress. You may recall when I took possession of your body in the library such a long time ago now. And now, now the world belongs to us. You are, in effect, the king of everything. You are the king of the world. But, uh, it's not really you who's been doing the ruling, is it? It's been me and my technology and my ability and my powers. And and after time, I realized Earth is such a small world. Maybe I could go out and conquest other planets. But the more we started to build the technology to transmit me to other worlds, it became very apparent that the one thing I want more than anything is revenge. You may recall my own people cast me out as a prisoner and trapped me on this world such a long time ago now. 
while the wire has been monologuing, mm-hmm. uh, I think I want to attempt to like wiggle a pinky to okay. see if I can. All right, give me um, uh, awareness and coordination. Okay. Uh, Fifteen. Okay. Uh, you can feel your finger, and you can feel the muscles in your finger, but they're not moving. Okay. Um, and uh, you're getting closer now to this huge. This dish is 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 absolutely. It's ridiculously large. It's clearly taking a very very long time to build. Um, and the wire is moving with intent towards a control panel at the foot of the dish. Uh, uh, wire. Um, I I love what you've done with the city, by the way. But um, you do realize that. I am afraid of heights, and you know, since you're in my body, um, did you take that into account? I'm basically, I'm, I'm trying to trick the wire to look down. Uh, give me uh, presence and resolve. Okay. No, sorry, not presence and resolve. Presence and convince. It would have been the same role anyway. Uh, six and seven is thirteen. Doesn't do it. The wire is. Uh... The wire is steadfastly walking forwards and, and says, it's not your body to be, to, to have that fear impulse right now. You're not the one who's reacting to the stimuli around you. You are just along for the ride. But if it's any consolation, thinks if this works, you'll get your body back in probably a few short moments. And there's a huge, uh, sound, like a, a, a this grinding of metal as the dish is finally in its position. Um, and the wire walks over to the terminal and uh, says, uh, so do you have any parting words? I do. What am I? My ride home. And the wire, using your body, pulls at a cable at this terminal with a sharp needle-like tip on the end. There's an uncomfortable laugh from deep inside your own throat as in one quick move, you jab that needle into your arm. It stings like hell, but you can feel the wire exiting your body through that wound into the cable, out into the dish. You're sluggish, but you start to regain control of your body as the wire leaves, and yet you can still feel the wire's presence in the dish itself, like you're still linked to the wire somehow. The dish powers up, and you hear that laugh again, and then, with little fanfare, the dish is activated. And you feel the wire as they are broadcast out into the cosmos. And as you close your eyes, you can see the wire journeying out into the depths of space, experiencing the journey as they experience it, whizzing through space at the speed of data. And then there is a feeling like running headfirst at top speed into a solid brick wall, and you fall to the ground. You no longer feel the wire's presence, but you can feel they didn't make it to their homeworld. They didn't even make it halfway. It's like there's some barrier or obstacle in the way. And now there is just you and a dead world and the most powerful communication satellite ever built. I pull out my Game Boy and I plug it into it. Brilliant. As you do that, There's a message on your Game Boy. It says, testing, one, two, three. I plug it in, and uh, is there any sort of a monitor and keyboard setup? That is a great question, and we're going to come back to that. Cool. 
Millie! You are woken up by a voice that says, I'm sorry, am I boring you, Miss Earhart? You feel yourself jerked back awake to find yourself sitting at a round conference table with a number of other people, all of whom are looking at you. The table is pointed towards a green chalkboard, and standing in front of that chalkboard, arms crossed, eyes fixed in your direction, is a man who looks rather a lot like Albert Einstein. Okay, um... I'm sorry, what? Sir? You're nodding off during the meeting? Am I French now? I don't know. (laughs) A minute ago, I thought you were a Nazi. Uh, It's fine. (laughs) Anyway. uh... You know, Ben, if you can't do an accent perfectly, you really shouldn't try to do it. (laughs) You know what? That's fair. Yeah. It's fine. We are the island of misfit accents. This This is one thing this show has taught me. Speak for yourself, Lottie. I was not leaning in with jokes like that, but that was so perfect. No, No, you got it. We needed one more for the finale. Come on. Uh, do you want to say anything or do anything in reaction to um, this new scenario you find yourself? Are there in? any windows around? Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a featureless room. Uh, yeah, there's nothing really on the walls. There's this. The, it's literally just the, the the round table, the chairs. There's a single door. Um, there is a actually there is a window looking out into the into the hallway, but it's that kind of the glass like the metal mesh. Okay, yeah, it, but like, it's not like I can see outside to see where I am. Yeah, no, there's 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 no outsides to see. Right? Okay, uh, are there other people sitting around the table? Yeah. Okay, cool. Do I recognize any of them? Uh, no one immediately. Probably Einstein is the most famous person in the room. All right. Uh, everyone else, they have they have they have the look of scientists and mathematicians and engineers. Okay. Um. And uh, Einstein uh, uh, kind of turns back to the chalkboard, still looking at you for a minute. We're like this. Mm-hmm. Come on, what are you doing? Look on his face. All right. Um, and then he resumes the meeting, and he's drawing symbols and diagrams on a chalkboard, and you don't really fully understand what he's drawing. Um, but he's talking about nuclear power. He's talking about converting nuclear energy into a power source for a device that he keeps referring to as a small hadron collider. And after some time, he concludes the meeting by resting the chalk on the the, the 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 small shelf at the base of the chalkboard, and he says, "If this works, we could provide the entire United States with clean, affordable energy—a huge boon to all following the Lesser War." You have your roles. You know your roles. Let's go to work. Um, I'd like a refresher, real quick. Sorry. Correct. Nodding off. Bad. Bad. Amelia. Help. What What do you need to know? My role. Exactly. Nodding off. Again. Sorry. In our engineering team. Deal. Then in that case, I've got something that you might like to look at, and I whip out my Game Boy, and um, <laughs> I throw it onto the table and say, so we've got some of the best minds in the world in this room, right? Help me send a message with this. Is that like a convince? What do I roll for that? That is definitely going to be <laughs> presence and convince. Deal. Okay, so presence and convince. Starting with a 10. It's not a bad number You know to what? These with. guys rolled snake eyes last time. I'm going to switch dice because I'm superstitious. Hey, uh, so 19. That's a good roll. You bet. Einstein looks at the device and he looks at you and everyone around the table is is looking at this device with a degree of like perplexity Mm -hmm. and you see people kind of looking at each other and kind of 
baffled looks on their face, like mouthing the word Nintendo. That's fine. Uh, no, what is this Nintendo? What is this? Doesn't game matter. Boy. I need you to send, help me send a message from here to up there, and I'm going to point to space. And even if it's something, you know, just I help me get a message here, and we'll be able to get some help with our project. Trust me, I'm Amelia Earhart. Einstein looks at you and he says, come with me. And he leaves the conference room. And we'll be back with you in just a short moment. Dr. Maxill is charging a device that is, you can tell, not going to be nice when he uses it. Um, You are presently uh, still strapped to that table. Uh, You have... Still upon your person, your, your sonic screwdriver, you have your psychic paper, you have Roman's time ring. Um, and Maxwell is just involved in the process of charging this ring. And every now and then he says something like, not long now. And, and this mind probe's going to be real proby. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Yes. The mind probe. I've uh, said it to maximum mind. <laughs> I don't want to think real hard. It's going to be <laughs> very proby. It's getting way in there. Ah. <laughs> just. Just way up there. <laughs> Just sorry, <laughs> I'm not helping. What would you like? What What do you do? Okay, I want to spend a whatever story points I need to have spent to have while he's not been looking to slowly have like f- figured out how to get my arm out of the one restraint that my the one that has my ring in it. I don't hate that. Uh, let's. Do you want to spend three story points on that yeah, to cool. get to get a hand free? Yeah. Okay, you do that. So. Given the one that Dan gave me earlier, that makes me down to six. So then uh, what I'm doing is I'm like, uh, once I have that one out, I kind of undo the other one with okay. it. And then what I do is I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to roll for this one, I think. Um, but I want to set my Sonic. I, wanna, I want to tell the ring to charge from the, the beam that uh, Maxwell's going to send it, shoot at me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use it to recharge the ring. Interesting. That is definitely going to be ingenuity and technology. Okay. Can I get anything for um, technically adept or from vortex? Yeah, you can. I would say vortex and tech adept are probably good for this. Okay. So it's plus four total. Okay. Okay. Ooh, hello Tardis. Um, okay. So that's going to put me at yeah, yeah twenty four. Twenty four. Mm-hmm. Good roll. Yeah. Um. Uh, Maxwell turned around with, with this mind probe, this kind of handheld mind probe device, and he, uh, uh, he steps forward to about an arm's reach from you and points it forward at your head, and he <laughs> says, This is very relieved to say going to hurt me not at all and hurt you very much a lot. Okay. And he activates it. And I grab it so that it goes into the ring instead of my head. Um, the ring begins to glow a bright hot red and then releases a burst of energy, pushing Emperor Maxel back, slamming him against the wall and knocking him onto the ground unconscious. This has also had the effect of the table that you're on. This is how you discover it's on wheels, because it wheels back a little bit towards the door. Okay. And uh, Maxwell is unconscious. Okay. I think that I now undo the restraints on my legs. Okay. And uh, I get up off the table, and I 
take Maxwell's robes that are on like the outer robes, not mm-hmm. the whole like, costume, but I put them on over mine, and okay. I put like his headdress on my head, <laughs> and then I like kind of like stuff him underneath like the table, like so he's kind of hidden away a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if, does he have like a scepter or anything? Uh, no, no. Scepter. Okay, so I I then uh, I go back out into the hallway. I leave the room. I, I I look around the room for anything that might be useful. I can do like a quick investigation of the room, but then I like go out in the hallway. Okay. Um there's nothing in here of value. There's um there's the the satchel, there's the leather jacket, there's the uh the broken uh, walking stick on the floor. Okay. There's the to- the tray of torture implements um which entirely up to you whether you want to take any of those. I look in the satchel. Um the satchel uh you open it and it contains Also if there's anything like that like is significant to Doctor Who, that like the audience, like make sure we like make sure we. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, you you hold the satchel and you you know this satchel, you mm-hmm. know this jacket, um, because they were once yours. Yeah. Um, and when you look in the satchel, it contains exactly the kind of stuff you expect to find in a satchel that you once carried. Mm-hmm. There's a yo-yo in there. There's a half-eaten apple. Okay. There's uh there's a couple of uh, books with a bunch of notes and annotations of corrections for misinformation of history. Uh there's a long bit of string. There's a kettle is in there. Okay. Um and there is a broken sonic screwdriver. Okay. Which sonic? Um it's not one that I recognize? It's well, no. It, you would recognize it because it was yours, but it's not. Um, it's not the best way to describe it. It's not a canon like TV okay. show Sonic. Gotcha. Is, um, these are the items that belonged to your immediate predecessor. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. I, I think I have an idea. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I'm gonna take all these things mm-hmm. and whatever I can in the jacket and everything with me. I'll put the jacket and everything in the satchel, um, and I head out. Okay. Um, as you as you head out, you feel a gentle heat coming from the pocket with the cipher paper. Okay, I pull it out and look at it. Uh, the phrase "testing one two three is written on the cipher paper. Okay, um, I send a signal back with it that says uh, loud and clear. Okay, let's move. And then, over. And then it petulantly says, "Okay, well, not <laughs> loud because it's on paper, but you know what I mean." <laughs> Um, let's, let's actually go back to Millie. Uh, Millie, you are sitting in Einstein's office. Um, now Millie would, um, just in terms of history, Millie would know who Einstein was. By the time that, um, Millie was making her flights in the 1930s, Einstein would, uh, you know, he'd already risen to prominence in the 20s. By the 30s, he would be living in the US. So this is, this is a figure who's, who's already kind of known as being a famous brain boy. Oh yeah, uh, I by... figured I knew exactly who he was. Yeah. So yeah, cool. And he looks at you and he says in a, in his authentic German accent. Ah uh, yes, most authentic. He says uh, Aust- Austrian, Aust- Austrian, Austrian. Yeah. Ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh, Michael, you're wrong there. Hi, future Michael here. Einstein, uh, totally German. Uh, I was wrong and uh, dumb and uh, in the, in this specific instance, not in general. Hey, uh, but uh, sorry, buddy. You blew it back in the past. Uh, future Michael out! What are you playing at? Doctor, I really can't explain right now, but I do need to get a message out. I, I, You have to trust me if you've ever trusted me with any bit of important information, with any of your studies, with any of what we have been doing here. I need you to not ask questions, and I need your help. Is that a presence and convince again? I'm not even going to have you do the role, because you did a really good role at the end of the last Dope. Thanks. Uh, session. Uh, and uh, he says to you, you've done very good work here. 
and I have no reason not to trust you, but we need to identify this object. What is it? It's a communication device. Okay. Cool. Ah, hell. Amelia knows that this is not part of her timeline at okay. all. That no matter what this is, it's fake. It kind of doesn't matter in her head. And so um, I'm going to storm out of Einstein's office, and I'm going to go find the nearest, uh, uh, literally anything I can plug this into. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. <laughs> uh, you, um, yeah, there, there's signage pointing towards the Small Hadron Collider, which is a term that you recognize from, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Einstein mentioned that several times during the meeting. They, he yep. do diagrams of it. He, the, the, that's the, that is the one, one of the phrases that has been, that have occurred multiple times during that meeting. So that when you see those signs, mm-hmm. that definitely. Cool. Um, I'm going to make my way there yeah. as fast as I can. All right. You, uh, you find yourself, you walk through some corridors, uh, and go through a, a set of doors. Um, and, uh, you find yourself standing in a room with a, a bank of, uh, like late forties era, uh, terminals, their, mm-hmm. their buttons, their lights. It looks vaguely like unpainted Star Trek set in here. Cool. I want to look for something that looks like the closest thing to a phone jack, like the kind that they would use to actually like physically, you know, yeah. Make, that makes yeah. some sense. There was a person in here with a, in, a, in a lab coat holding a clipboard and cool. uh, they look to you and they say, uh, oh, Miss Earhart, what can I, what can I push them out of the way. You push them out of the way. Um, all right. Yo. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a, there's a, a jack on, uh, on one of the, one of the terminals. Cool. Um, I immediately go over. I'm not entirely sure how to do anything other than Pokemon on this and writing <laughs> messages. So, um, I think what Amelia would do, she's going to plug it in and hit any button. Honestly, you know, like any any button that seems familiar to her, even vaguely in whatever this timeline is, and just is going to hit send on the idea that um, I kind of imagine that during her five months, she's been writing, uh, like she started writing messages like, doctor, come find me, doctor, mm. I'm here. And eventually they became letters mm. and eventually they became angry and then they became a little bit softer. But those are what she's sending out into the universe as, uh, you know, a uh, uh, a trial or a trail kind of mm. from like point A to point B. It's not just one message. It's a trail going through uh, a space, kind of like a radio wave, hoping that that trail is enough to draw people in her mm. direction. So, um, I will spend story points. Yeah. Uh, if you want to try to send, st- if you want to try to do this, uh, yeah. Let's call it, let's call it three story points. Deal. I will spend okay. those three story points to build an electronic bridge. Uh, okay. Between Actually, the you know what? I'm not going to have you spend story points on this. Uh, keep the story points. Okay. You, you do this. You succeed in transmitting the signal, but okay. there is no response. And part of the reason why there's no response is there doesn't seem to be anywhere to transmit to. Um, and, uh, you hear a voice from behind you standing in the doorway. You see Einstein and he says, uh, well, if you really want to send this message, I can help you uh, to accomplish that. Uh, clearly, it means a lot to you. Uh, you bet, Albie. Let's do this. Well, uh, I, I'm going to need some more information. Where are you trying to send the message to? I'm not entirely sure. I just need to get it out into space. To space? Yes. See, this was a lot of... There's a lot to go on here. Just, can you do that? Yes or no? 
you know, we are attempting to generate a tremendous amount of power here uh, for scientific research. We might be able to, I don't know, maybe mask a signal in our upcoming test of the small hadron. How long will that take? We're actually supposed to be commencing our first test in approximately 45 minutes. If you'd like, we can try to piggyback your signal on the initial test. I don't have time. I'm going to take out my wrencher and I'm going to hit the entire machine. <laughs> he says, no, no, <gasps> stop, 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 stop. Stop. <laughs> stop that. With my percussive maintenance. <laughs> if you want to do it. I want a Fonzie, a Hadron Collider. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You let me live in a fantasy universe where I travel through time and space, and if you're going to tell me I can't Fonzie right. this thing... Give me, uh, give me strength <laughs> and technology. Deal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm definitely putting uh, Millie Fonzie's a Hadron Collider <laughs> in this week's description. <laughs> It's technology and what again? <laughs> Fonzie's a new uh, Strength and technology. <laughs> strength and technology. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, uh, plus I get a plus one for my rancheru. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Oh, and then I get plus two for percussive maintenance. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. So, sorry. Math, 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 math. Four, five, eight. So, starting with an eight. <laughs> okay, uh, eight. Nineteen. Nineteen. Two Fonzie. A Hadron Collider. I will spend story points. <laughs> you may need to spend a story point. I would love to spend a story point to do exactly what I have been describing for the last All 30 right. seconds. Do you, would, you, would you like to potentially spend two story points? I would love to spend as many story points to make this the coolest thing ever. Three, would, three would be the coolest. Okay, three. Okay. Consider it done. All right. So you venture this thing, and the large, the, 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 you venture this thing, and the small hadron collider starts to power up. Dope. You can hear, and you can see now out through, because the, uh, and I meant, probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm very bad at describing things. You're fine. Uh, the terminal above that is glass looking out to the, uh, kind of the loop, a part of the loop of the small hadron collider. And you can see lights as sections of it begin to power up. And Einstein rushes beside you, and he says, "How did you do that?" Um, on like a scale of one to heart attack, how vaclemt is he? He's shocked. All right, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not important. Don't worry about it. Uh, the most important thing is, uh, I guess now I just have to wait again. Well, if we if we're going to send this signal, uh, the thing to remember is that uh, there's a tremendous amount of power, and of course, there's always the the theory that using the hadron collider will warp time and space so there's you may want to send your message now and it may have for all we know already been received by the people that you sent there's only one way to find out doctor what kind of message would you like to send uh, again, like literally, I want to just send what was on the Game Boy. Okay, that was so it. just all of those messages. Yeah, it's okay. just going to be like a series of letters throughout time and space, like okay. wondering, like Doctor, I'm here, come find me. Okay, so the Hadron Collider powers up, and there is a there is a whoom whoom whoom, and that increases in kind of volume and speed as it as it as as it whizzes and whizzes and whizzes and whizzes and whizzes around, and then Doctor, as you are walking down the hallways in uh in the capital um you feel something you get hit by these waves of these 
these messages and 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 Travis where you are now you are also you feel um these waves of these of these 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 many many messages start to hit you and uh Millie what what sort of messages are they receiving um these I think would be all the messages that in the past five months have been building up on the Game Boy because mm. it kind of started as a transmission system and then became longer letters and then it became more of a diary mm. of, of wanting and hoping and wishing, you know, to be elsewhere to fly again and specifically to fly wherever she considered home. And home seemed to be the TARDIS and, and even in moments when she wasn't so sure, you know, the... The key factor, I think, that even she didn't even realize as she was writing it down was that mm. the TARDIS was always home. Yeah. So that those are the messages that you guys are being hit with. You're being hit with all the words and the emotions of those those words. Millie, um, Einstein sits down next to uh, sits down at a computer terminal. Like it, it looks, it's this is way too advanced, but it looks kind of like a, a, a Commodore sixty four. Deal. Uh, and he sits down and he says, uh, "I'm going to try something." Very simple. Let's see. I'm just going to try testing one, two, three, set. And you guys are still, you guys are being hit with these messages. And you, uh, doctor, you're able to kind of see in your mind's eye. You can kind of see, you can almost see Millie right now. You can almost see the room that she's in. You can almost see Albert Einstein. You can almost see her face mm-hmm. as she's looking at the, at the Game Boy and the Collider. Um, but it's not quite there yet. Travis, you are, you can feel these messages. You are not seeing anything at the moment, but you can feel like there's some kind of signal that is being sent in your direction as you stand at the base of this immense satellite dish. Right. Okay. Go so, you do your thing. Oh, no, no, no. I, I already had two scenes, so go ahead. Cool. Uh, I am assuming that this is the most powerful computer on the planet right now. It's the most powerful communications array ever built by humanity by the year Great. 2000. First thing I do is I uh, go up to it. And again, is there a, a monitor and keyboard for me to use? Yeah, there's, a, there's like an old uh, gateway PC that's kind of the okay, main... Per- first thing I do is I uh, use my librarian skills to research what happened to the world real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the wire... The wire... You kind of have a loose memory of this as well from the version of you that you've replaced. But the wire, there are news articles of like this, this technological menace spreading out from the American East Coast. And, and then the stories all become about the wire's accomplishments. And it becomes clear that, um, in this version of reality, the wire part teamed up with you. Whatever, whatever this version's, uh, this universe's version of Travis was, he teamed up with the wire and partnered with the wire and was successful made it to new york and was able to conquer earth the, the the those thick cables the coils the 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 wires going everywhere are all part of the wires design that you helped make happen okay so all the technology recognizes me yes. computer hello uh integrate uh new technology and i put the game boy on just like a receptacle pad Integrating antiquated Game Boy. I'm gonna make you spend a story point. Absolutely. To have the pad there. Absolutely. Uh, computer. Uh, yes. Analyze uh, alien technology in the battery compartment. Technology analyzed. 
send out a search throughout time and space for matching technology. Searching. And then just sort of like a Internet Explorer logo yeah. kind of goes, like a yep. Netscape Navigator uh, kind of guy. Yeah. Millie's uh, Game Boy definitely has the supercharged TARDIS batteries, and the Doctor has the TARDIS, so I'm basically trying to triangulate the three of us throughout, well, everywhere. Point of fact, I don't have the TARDIS right now, but yeah. No, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I have an idea for what I'm doing my yeah. scene, yeah. so we get to it. You've got the psychic paper. Yeah. Oh, you used the Sonic to do it, so yeah. uh, I'm going to search for the Sonic. Okay. Well, you wouldn't know either way, so. If you have it or not. Yeah. yeah you wouldn't yeah, know that yeah, I, okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're right. Play your character, sorry. Searching for doctor. Okay, so, are you done or should I? Oh, I don't know. I'm waiting for the computer okay. to tell me. Uh, uh, <laughs> um. Hello. Um, <laughs> that's really the only computer joke I had. Um. Technology located. Uh, display coordinates. Boop, 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 boop. The coordinates show up. Okay, so do, am I seeing, like, both the when and where of the two of them? Uh, you are, you're, you're, you're getting a, a kind of a loose matching signal from, uh, uh, what appears to be 1944. Uh, and there's another signal that is, that is, is deep in space, but the, the, the telemetry that you're getting is, is spotty and, um, you're, you're kind of realizing, for the first time, just how gloomy and overcast it is. And it's not overcast at all. As you look up, you see what look like to be great black patches of nothing with kind of orange embers around, around the edge, like, like burning a sheet of paper. And it's like, it's, it's scorch marks of nothing where, where, wherever what was has burned away. Okay. Um, but yes, Gallifrey. You're, you're able to pinpoint roughly yeah, yeah. the location of Gallifrey presently. Uh, computer, transmit message to coordinates. Uh, start message. It's me. It's Travis. I'm alive. I'm on Earth. Where are you? Transmitting message one. Earth. Transmitting message two. Galactic zero. Transmission complete. And as that message starts to kind of ripple out through space and time, the three of you in your respective locations, uh, start to see these two other kind of quivering outlines of other people. And it doesn't take long for those images to kind of snap into a, 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 a level of fidelity that allows you to identify who you're looking at before it becomes apparent that you're looking at your, your TARDIS family you are seeing team tardis is standing the doctor in the in the capital millie uh at the heart of the the small hadron collider travis at the foot of the wires immense satellite dish and all of you somehow in the same place at the same time and when you speak you hear each other with a clarity that feels right i have kind of a sweet thing i want to do absolutely okay so i because i i'm putting together that my former self of this universe was here, which means that their TARDIS might be here too. And so what I do is I take the signals that I got from Millie that were so focused on the mm-hmm. TARDIS as home, the TARDIS as home, the TARDIS as home. And I, I amplify that signal and I use it to track down where this universe's TARDIS is in this facility that I'm at. I kind of love that a lot. I have more um, I want to do once we get there, but mm-hmm. uh, neat. I think for that, I think that's going to be a pretty big story point yeah, expenditure. Let's do it. Um, it's going to be five. 
Five okay. story points. Wow, it's gonna be fun for the last game, but I'll do yeah. it. Okay, so I'm down to one. Um, you, you, besides, besides my Sonic and my second paper, but um, and you're able to pinpoint the exact location of this universe's Doctor's TARDIS, and it is, it is being held. The only place your TARDIS could possibly be held is being held in the junkyard. Okay, so I go to it, and I I go to it, and I take, I, I walk in and. Uh, I recognize the interior from previous. Uh, it's not. It's not like coffee shop design right now. Gunther's not there, but it's. I know my TARDIS, yes. and it's always my TARDIS. It's, and it's it's dim and dark as you enter because this TARDIS has been powered down. Yeah. Um, and the minute you enter, everything kind of springs to life, and mm-hmm. the, there are lights and sounds, and yeah. um, you hear kind of the gentle echo of the time rotor. Yeah. As it's almost like it's spinning up already in anticipation of, of, of what's about to happen. Yeah. So I walk up to the console and I rub my hand in the exact same spot where I comforted my own TARDIS in my time. And I say, hey girl, I know that I'm not yours and you're not mine, but we kind of are. And I got some friends out there right now who really need some help. And you can help me find them. And I take this, like, paper that's, like, charged with this, like, love energy from Millie. And I, like, insert it into the TARDIS. It's, like, into, like, a, like, the, like a, like a panel. I and like I this. put it down. And I just, like, tap it with that time ring. And I go, let's go find our family. The time rotor immediately starts almost at full speed, full pelt. There's no ramp up. The, the, the ship is just going. And there's a there's there's a light breeze as as loose papers from this universe's version of your predecessor start to kind of whip and blow around as the TARDIS is 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 foot floor to the ground, pedal to the metal, like just blasting off in time and space. And how do you want how do you want this to happen? Do you want to materialize? How do you want to do it? How do you want this uh, to go? I want to do it. Um... Uh, I kind of I think that they're those, those two ghost figures of them mm-hmm. are in the TARDIS with me already. I think yeah, they've kind moved. of tra- they've kind of been tracked with you. Yeah. I guess. So you guys are seeing this happen. You see, um, you you see the the Doctor moving through the 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 Capitol. You see the Doctor entering the TARDIS. You hear what she has said to this universe's version of the TARDIS, and you can see as she places her hand on the console, this the faint kind of gentle spectral outline of the of the console in the area that she's touching. Dope. And I think that um, I think it does the thing where it actually materializes around people. Mm-hmm. So like like where Travis was standing in front of this this dish, you just suddenly like he hears that familiar sound, the the, the whoosh, whoosh. and then like he like blinks and he's inside the TARDIS. And then same thing with Millie. Like, like she's in this room and, and Albert Einstein sees this this <laughs> blue box suddenly materialize inside of this facility in Austria or wherever they're at. And just like it just this Hadron Collider and uh, and it just like slowly is there and then it's gone again and then inside the TARDIS, this old TARDIS, and you don't you don't recognize the inside of it, but you know it's home. Mm. And it's it's us and it's there. And uh, I take the things that I collected from the doctor of this universe, the bag and the coat and everything, and I put the coat on the coat rack, and I put the bag where I used to keep it, and I, I say, like, these aren't mine, these are yours, to the TARDIS. Like, I'm, like, I'm putting my old doctor to rest inside of this, inside I of their that. TARDIS. That's and then I say, I need one more trick from you, girl. I don't know 
I don't know how we can do this, but I need it. And I take that time ring, and I take it off, and I put it on the console. And I go, I need you to take us home. The time rotor is getting louder and faster. And for you guys, this is this is definitely a TARDIS. It's not the TARDIS that you guys call home. You have no connection or, or uh, emotional resonance with the current configuration of the TARDIS. Um, but this TARDIS... It feels like it knows you, even though it has never met you before. And even though it doesn't look like home, it feels like home. And I, I real quick, I turn to Millie and I say, "See, we would never leave you behind." <laughs> All right. At that point, Millie's kind of gonna like, like slugger brother, like hug <laughs> Travis, and run over to the doctor, and we're doing a three-way hug, whether yeah. you guys like it or not. <laughs> Millie likes hugs. <laughs> as, as, as it's doing what it's doing, I start looking up and trying to figure out what actually happened to this universe because I don't know. I don't think that I would be willing to leave a universe to die like this. Um, it's difficult to describe exactly what has happened. It's like this universe is crumbling. It's this universe is dying, and it's it's too far gone at this point. Whatever, whatever, whatever remains of this universe will not be here for much longer. Okay. Um, and as you, as the, as as this TARDIS uh, pushes all engines full power, pushes as hard as it can to crack through the membrane of reality itself. It ahead of time already knows what it needs to do. It is jettisoning rooms, mm-hmm. tennis courts, swimming pools, bedrooms, bathrooms, and beyond. It's really hoping I'd get a bigger laugh on that, but never mind. And you can, you feel this, this shake, this shudder throughout the TARDIS as it pushes through the membrane of reality out of the universe. And you can see on the scanner scope kind of the universe behind you as it begins to kind of crumble and wither. And then there is dust. And then it's whatever universe there was is gone. You are leaving the dying embers of a, a long dead world. But you can see your universe up ahead. And the TARDIS now is going so fast, so hard. You can feel the shake of the ship, all of it throughout. You're, you're bracing yourselves now with just how turbulent this flight is. If you could see the exterior of the TARDIS, you would see your wooden beams and slats and parts of the, the, the window frames starting to be pulled off of this thing as you rush through. On the, inti- on the inside of the TARDIS, bookshelves fall, papers get blown away, a pillar collapses and bursts into flame. Above you, the roof of the console console room is pulled away, revealing nothing, the void, blackness, as it whooshes past and all of the papers and everything loose, whizzes and whooshes sucked out into the nothingness. I reach down as this is happening and I grab, because they were hugging me, they grab Millie and Travis's hands and I hold them as we go through this. And then there is that there is a thunk as the TARDIS hits the, the wall of your reality of home as it pushes itself through. And again, you can you can feel as the TARDIS is pulling itself apart to take you home. The exterior of the TARDIS has now almost been entirely ripped away, revealing this kind of crude wireframe version of the TARDIS. If someone were looking out into this space they would see in the center the console the, the console with you around it on the inside you are seeing 
the walls, everything just kind of being pulled away. And then suddenly there is just the console, there is just the ground you are standing on. As, the, as this, this console spins through the vortex of your universe. And the, ta- the Time Rosa makes one last scream as you materialize outside the staycation dome, outside your own TARDIS. And it lets out this gentle wheeze, like it's sighing. And then the lights on the console go out. And it powers down. And you know that this TARDIS has given its last to take you home. I... God, that was so good. I... I, like, put my hand... I kind of let go of my friend's hands. And I kind of put my hands on the console for a bit. And... Like, they can... If they look, if they can see my face, they can see that there's, like, a little bit of tears. And that I'm, I'm crying because I'm, like, still sad for this TARDIS. Like, even though it's not my TARDIS, it is my TARDIS. And I... I gently look around for, like, something that's broken off, like a knob or a handle or a dial or something, and I kind of take it, and then I kind of like, with a nod, I kind of like, I just kind of whisper like a thank you. And then I, I like walk over to the door to my TARDIS, and I open it, and I walk in, and I take this knob and this dial that I've taken from it, and I put it on the console of my TARDIS. Like, so like a piece of this other TARDIS is coming with us. There is a... And I get that ring. I take the ring too. There's an under. There's a sound from inside the TARDIS, like a, like an electronic, a gentle warping of understanding coming from the TARDIS console. Like it, it doesn't know what has happened, but it it understands. And I leave the other, like I leave the other Doctor's things inside of it, inside of the old the old one. Okay. And I I maybe like. I want to do something so that people aren't like stumbling through it or whatever, mm. but like, I don't know what to do. Like maybe like, I think maybe like I, I see if I get with a little bit of power, it's in my TARDIS. I can see if it can like absorb the old TARDIS. Yeah. I'll let you do that. Yeah. I'm not going to have you spend any story points for that. You, uh, you tap in, uh, you hit some dials and switches and pull a lever on the TARDIS console and the time rotor, uh, Engages, but not in a way that it's about to dematerialize. But mm-hmm. anyone who's standing outside of your TARDIS can see this kind of swirling, kind of this 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 breeze of matter as the 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 last surviving pieces of of your parallel universe counterparts TARDIS kind of swirl and coalesce mm-hmm. and are kind of pulled into the lamp on the top of your TARDIS, and the lamp. Uh, shines brightly like a beacon uh, in honor of its fallen other self. Alright, and then I I go um, kind of quiet again and I say Travis, Millie our friends inside that dome just did the one thing they never should have done. They made me angry. 